Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about, you know, it's Pride Month. So we're going to focus on that a little bit for the show. We're going to talk about allyship, how to be a good ally. This is actually apropos for everyone. We all have work to do, whether in the community, outside the community. And everything we're going to talk about around it kind of applies even outside of this topic. So we'll break it down. Stick around. Um, I, I had kind of committed to spending the opening of each show this week just talking a little bit about quick tips around mental health and self-care. Making sure we're all focusing on it. Some of it might be a little repetitive. That's good. I'm okay with that. I sh- shied away from doing that out out of fear. But then I was like, you know what? No, there, there's new perspectives on this and it's something that we have to prioritize. Um, so last night we were talking at the top of the show more about uh, self-care. Tonight it's going to be more about mental health specifically, although they intertwine. It's something I'm asking all my patients, especially when they're new to my practice. How do you take care of your mental health? What do you think is, what do you think mental health even is? Um, what are your self-care practices? And the, we're, people are getting better. It's more familiar of a term. Not everyone knows what that means for them. So there's a lot of work in that. Um, so let's talk about how we can care for our mental health. Number one, having no shame about how you're feeling. Remember, mental health is not the absence of certain feelings or moods. Mental health is the ability to experience all of them deeply, to sit in it, feel it, express it. It might not feel good. It might be a little more amplified than we want. But the first step of mental health is just saying, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm lonely, and not problematizing or shaming or pathologizing that. It's okay to feel everything. Again, mental health is a full range of emotions and dropping into them all right? That's mental health. Also checking in with people. I said three people a day in some form, text them, email them, FaceTime them, call them. I'd love for you to see them in person or FaceTime them, but that's not ideal for everyone because of ability, time, space, energy, all sorts of stuff. But we want to connect to at least three people. That's ideal. Maybe we can't get that many. That's okay. Maybe it's one person every other day. That's fine. Maybe it's only over DM because this magical person that's amazing is far, far, far away. Okay. But we need to be connected with and to connect. We need to feel seen and heard, right? We need to know that we're part of. I always recommend if you feel like you're a part of an exploited minority of any kind, we need community. But we all need that, right? Um, journaling. Uh, people I know that journal have so much value and benefit from it. I do it in my own distinct way. I write on pieces of paper and then I collect them and go back and look at them. I'm a little haphazard in that way. I don't formalize it with, you know, the notepad in my phone, which I do all actually use as well, but I don't formalize it necessarily in a book, which is okay if you do that. Some people like that. Um, the same book going back, looking at it. Also limiting exposure to the news and social media. That is profound. When people say I turned off the TV and I put my phone down or one or the other, bam, your mood enhances. Because remember, the television and social media, you are forced into certain feelings and emotions that maybe you didn't want to or weren't prepared for because of what someone's saying or posting or sharing or say or showing, right? Like maybe we weren't trying to encounter our body issues that day, but then someone posts a weight loss picture and we're like, oh my God, now we're getting pulled into toxic gym and diet culture and now I'm assessing myself. Like when we block out some of these sources, we protect ourselves. Also deep breathing. Breathing is one of the most powerful ways to regulate your nervous system. It's one of the only ways we can really assert control voluntarily and slow down our heart rate is slowing down our breathing. If your breathing is slow, so is your mind, your heart, and your body. If our, if our breathing is sped up and fast, so is most likely our mood, our mind, our heart, and our body, right? We can slow ourselves down. It's important to stay connected to our breath. Check in on it. You'll see it's more available and accessible than you might realize. Um, like I said last night, reading a book taking time to read, read things that are curated where it will generate a specific experience that you're looking for, right? Uh, Mental health resources, thanks to social media, they are abounding. Be careful who's 
mental health advice you follow, make sure it's someone who has some kind of, you know, training, certification, supervision, experience, something. There's a lot of people that are just, you know, mental health advocates or coaching and they have no experience, training or background. They're just kind of flinging stuff all over. I appreciate, you know, them wanting to get in the game, but just be very thoughtful about where it's coming from. I see people saying things that are like body negative or sex phobic, just really kind of weaving it in there. So be thoughtful. Um, also, I love movies. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just go watch a funny movie. For me, I actually thrive watching scary movies. They pull me out of a mood. They drop me into another one. They suspend reality for me. They help me check out and dissociate. They help me go on a journey. They just create a lot of shift and change. They, they're, they're so dramatic and amplified that they can really pull me out of whatever I was in. They can pull me out of my body into another state. It's really powerful. And as you're noticing, it's basic, simple things right? We're a little more flexible and plastic than maybe we realized we were. So take advantage of that. We, with technology, we have a lot of resources, but sometimes it's just about music or a conversation or going for a walk. I also love going to see art. Going to see art is something for me that's been really profound um, in dealing with my creativity, in reminding myself to think outside the lines, right? In reminding myself the beauty and diversity and creativity. Like I have to be reminded that beauty can exist in some very non-traditional ways. Um, going to see art has been huge for me, as has spending some time in the outdoors. I'm not the most outdoorsy person, and that's why it's really impactful for me when I do, you know, because it's not so typical for me. So, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about allyship. Um, like I said, DMs, always open. You got a question for us, drop it in there, and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, post, share, binge. Um, yeah, but stick around though. We're gonna break down how to be a good ally and that's gonna be something that's applicable to all of us. So uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around, we'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back and we're talking about how to be a good LGBTQIA ally. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. It's Pride Month. So I, I was thinking like I have to do a little bit more uh, pride-centered topics and segments. And there's parts of me that are often thinking, well, I don't know that Loveline listeners need that. I'm like, I think everyone's, you know, in the community or an ally of the community. And then I realize, yeah, but nonetheless, I think that there's a lot for us to learn nonetheless, whether we're in or out or where we stand, right? Because I think the work is ongoing and I'm always learning um, how to be a better ally in terms of everything and everyone. Uh, I just, you know, it, I think we lose sight of the stats or the current state of being someone who's in the LGBTQIA identity, uh, both within the United States and outside of the United States as well. I track the news um, for a lot of different reasons, but, you know, I brought this up on the show before. I, uh, please, let's not think that the battle's over. Um, some people are more aware of the macro, the micro news, and others are completely distinct and sitting outside that. I was in a conversation over the weekend where, uh, you know, not solidly, but leaning into their naivety, they said, I, I, I know better. And yet at the, at the same time, they said, I sometimes still think that like the battles won, you know, like gay people. Yeah. You see them in television. It's cool to be gay. Um, but they, you know, gay people can get married and it's like, oh my God, no, you know, uh, we've talked about this, as I said on the show before, but there are places where gay people where it's illegal. There are countries that claim they have no gay people there because of how stigmatized and horrific it is to be gay that no one's comfortably out. 
Um, and they seek to have no one gay there. They're proud of that because they think it's bad. There's places, like I said, where it's illegal. You are imprisoned. You are murdered in the streets. Um, even in the United States, there's a lot of legislation legislation that was passed and that we're rolling back and working on and working through that is anti-trans, that is anti-gay. Um, people are, teachers are told in some states that they are not allowed to post, hang, or, or have a gay flag anywhere. There are curriculums that are not allowed to include a discussion of gay or trans identity, even though those people are literally sitting in the classroom. There are states where you are not allowed as a parent or a healthcare provider to help support getting trans or gender fluid individuals healthcare, right? People are still misgendered. People are still gay bashed here in America, here in West Hollywood, which is a very gay centered place. The work is far from over. Please don't think because gay people can get married in some places or they're represented on a few television shows that the work is done or complete. And now that we step into pride season, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword where on one hand, it's phenomenal to see all these companies and cities doing rainbows everywhere and selling merch with rainbows everywhere and saying, you know, pride, happy pride. But at the same time, we have to look in the shadow of all that. Uh, you know, some of these companies are literally having their merch made in countries and places where it's illegal to be gay. Some of these companies that wanna make a dollar off of selling pride shirts don't have any gay people in any positions of power in their organization. And I will say over and over until I'm blue in the face, a sign of an organization, a company, um, an institution, um, a, a governmental body, whatever we're talking about, a sign of true uh, transformation is that they have diversity in positions of power. Otherwise, it's tokenism and performativity. Oh, look, there's a gay person that works over there in accounting. Or yeah, we have a black person that works over there somewhere in HR. Okay, that's awesome, that's great. But when I look at the structure, do I see black people in positions of power? Do I see gay people in positions of power? No, why not? Are you not marketing to them? Are you not creating safe spaces for them? Are you not hiring them? Do so. And that's why when you see a company, I'm not gonna call it any names that are, again, putting out the merch, but again, it's very white cis hetero that's running it, making it, and again, it's a mess. So we have a lot to do. Um, so we should be continuing to talk about what we have to do to create a safe space and be an ally. Um, it's a lot of the same stuff. I don't know if that's good or that's bad, but a lot of what it takes and what we need to do hasn't, hasn't really changed much, right? Um, so let's talk about what are some things we have to think about. Well, as I said, make sure you are bringing in gay people and having them work in positions of power. I think there's something really powerful about that. Um, that's how we start to create that change. Um, also financial support. I have said this before on my social media, when I'm trying to purchase something, I do my best to purchase from local vendors. Um, I don't need to you know, support corporate structures, so I try to buy locally. Um, independent restaurants, independent stores, I love independent bookstores. I also try to buy black from black-owned companies or gay-owned companies. If they're black and gay, even better. And I've been successful. You can Google that stuff very quickly. Um, I buy a lot of bakery products, vegan bakery products, and I buy them from uh, a black company down south and also a black queer company down south. Um, there was also some books, and I was buying them from an indie bookseller who has lots of trans employees. Like Always making sure I'm financially supporting these individuals. There, You can do that on, on a micro level, even a macro level. Some of the highest rates of homelessness are gay and trans youth, 100%. Can you help put some finances behind organizations that help get them off the street, get them clothed, housed, also help them find employment, right? Like that's part of an ally. A lot of these individuals and organizations, they need money um, to create legal teams, healthcare. So you can donate money to your local LGBTQIA center, help set one up, um, things like that. Give them to organizations. That's, that's really profound. Um, <clears throat> also, you know, really doing your best to understand, research, and educate yourself about some of the adversities. That can be very galvanizing. How about also sharing that research with friends and family members? Hey, did you know in this place, in this city, in this town, this is occurring in our town, you know, in that education and research around adversity, how about looking at your own local area? What kind of resources do we have or not have? What kind of discrimination is happening here? Uh, are you on the school board? Are you a parent at a school where you have power, you're paying tuition? Maybe you should ask the school, what kind of resources and support do you offer people from the LGBTQA community? Are there student clubs? Are there administrators that are openly out or allies that can market themselves as such? 
How do you address that? Do you reference the existence of gay and trans people in your studies, that they are some of the people that have contributed powerfully to writing and art? Do you talk about the women's suffrage movement? Most of those women were lesbians, whether married or not. Do you talk about some of the great artists of the world were gay, Thoreau, Da Vinci? Like a lot of these people were gay. Do we talk about that, right? We gotta take a little break. Um, but you know, again, it's pride month. So we're continuing to talk about, uh, LGBTQIA, LGBTQIA support. Maybe even I'll break down that acronym when we come back. So stick around listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right. We're back and we're talking about how to be a good ally. Talk about offering financial support to organizations. Um, they need your money. Also talking about looking around locally, seeing what resources exist and don't exist. Can you talk to your school board, your principal, and make sure those resources are in place, whether you are gay or trans yourself, whether your child is gay or trans, like this is how you be a good ally. An ally means I'm not part of the community, maybe no one I know even is, but I still care. <laughs> so you know what I mean? And uh, LGBTQIA community definitely still is stigmatized, harassed, violence, oppression, uh, highest numbers of unemployment and homelessness, uh, highest rates of suicidality, right? And we just know having one person in your corner significantly reduces all of that. So, you know, that's how you be an ally. What are some of the other things we can do? Because there's a lot we can do. Um, Bringing them in to whatever spaces you work in. So again, if you're part of a corporate structure or an organization, look around and acknowledge the lack of diversity and try to market and bring that in, right? Um, I, I, I wanna come back to this one concept. Uh, maybe I'll talk about it now because I feel like it's kind of not with the flow of where we're going, but let's also just talk quickly about pride and then we'll get back to talk about how to be a good ally. You know, a client was saying that in a session recently about how, you know, him and his gay friends are starting to feel as though sometimes gay bars are invaded by straight people, you know, and, and we were talking about how every space is a straight space. Most bars are straight. You know, the supermarket is heterocentered and gay bars for in many communities are one of the few safe spaces for gay people to congregate. And if you wanna, as a straight person, enter into that space, you just wanna be very thoughtful about the space you're entering into, that some people have been traumatized and harmed by straight people and are triggered and don't feel safe, and that you're entering a venue that is not set up for you. That doesn't mean you can't enter, but you need to be very thoughtful about how you're occupying space. Maybe some people shouldn't go. I do think it's okay for some gay people to say, I only wanna be around gay people. Can I have one place in my life that is gay-centered where I don't have to encounter? Um, that's why Pride in LA is not allowing cops in uniform. A lot of Prides, they're saying it's been a site and source of violence and oppression. And that uniform isn't to be worn here, right? We're trying to support a space where people aren't triggered and they can celebrate the community. Um, so just be very thoughtful about how you occupy a space. Some people are feeling run out by these um, uh, bridal parties, right? That are kind of like claiming it as their own and occupying too much space and whatnot. Uh, what are other things we can do? Well, unlearn a lot. You're going to have to challenge yourself and others when you hear them problematically talking about something, using words that aren't okay, not using inclusive, uh, inclusive languaging. Just remember, like, everyone you're talking to isn't always straight. Like, we also have to remember that. So I love the idea of giving examples when you're out in the world that don't assume the person in front of you is cis or hetero, right? Like, not if you see someone who's female, it's not always do you have a husband or boyfriend? It's do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Or do you have a partner? Like just that is removing the need for the person in front of you to come out of the closet. The closet is created and set up by heterocentricity. Gay people shouldn't have to come out of it. It should be dismantled. And that it's dismantled by not making assumptions or assuming. It is dismantled when you say, hey, do you have a partner? Hey, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Like you, you, they don't need to come out. They can just say boyfriend or girlfriend, right? You've, you've just, you've removed the whole concept of a closet. It's a really powerful thing. Um, but it's really going to come down to, I think often those macro, like we talked about what you're doing at the jobs and institutions you're a part of, but then also the micro, just the little things you help speak up about, clarify, clear up or support, as I said, and people need that. Um, yeah, the battle's, the battle's far from over. And Pride Month should be a time where we can at least openly talk about that, call out what's missing. And so I guess I, I really challenge everyone to kind of ask themselves, what are the areas where I can improve? What are the areas where I can just do something and I haven't before? Um, and, and picking a few things that you target 
as the way you're going to be a better ally. It's not enough to just go to a gay bar sometimes. It's not enough to just have a gay friend. It's not enough to really love Will and Grace. You know what I mean? It's, it's not enough to like gay artists. You have to do more, right? It's about what you're doing when gay people aren't around. It's, so it's more about what you're doing when you're not in gay spaces. How do you call out friends and family members? How do you spend your money? What institution do you support or not support? Not supporting organizations like Chick-fil-A, even though you love their chicken, because they traditionally donate a lot of money to anti-gay organizations, right? So like everything is political and you need to see it that way. Every time you do something, say something, support something, spend money, you're supporting that person or that organization's values and where their money goes. That matters. That trail matters. You're not let off the hook. You're giving them the money that they then take to use problematically, right? And without you supporting them, they don't have the money to do that. And so this is part of that work. Um, so really look around and ask yourself, what's the work that's needed to be done? What am I doing? What am I not doing? Um, we, all, we all have that version to do. Even if we're in the community, we have that work to do. Where do we maybe perpetuate problematic things? Where do we maybe act elitist? Where do we maybe not act inclusive? I was calling that out endlessly. The gay bars, all they have often on the flyers are you know, steroided gym bodies. And that doesn't make larger bodied people feel invited to that event. If the flyers are only featuring white bodies, that doesn't make people of color feel very safe or supported or respected in that space. So like, we all have that work to do. Um, all right, well, we're gonna you know, take a little break a break. And when we come back, we're gonna be gliding into those dms so as always y'all if you got a dm for us drop it in our loveline ig page we got answers for you you're listening to loveline with dr chris loveline's brought to you by astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone we'll be back all right we're back and now it's time to glide into those dms brought to you by astroglide gliding into the dms DMs come from our Loveline IG page. You got a question for us, drop it in the DMs. Always anonymous, always confidential. And if you have something you want me to talk about or clarify or circle back to, drop that in there as well. Happy to hear and uh, feel free to do some follow-ups. Uh, tonight's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Amanda. My ex and I broke up about a month ago. I'm doing really well, better than I thought I'd be. Yeah, it can happen sometimes, right? Because how well we do with a breakup is somewhat determined by what we do in that time, right? The process of the breakup that we enact. Um, also other factors in our life, right? However, <laughs> I always love these, the koala. However, the transition to uh, a different perspective. I've been hearing from multiple people after our breakup that she's been going around and telling people things about our relationships. This is where my heart hurts, most of which are false. So this person is not acting from their integrity and is clearly got some resentments that they're publicly working out, which really makes her look bad. It makes her look very dysregulated. It makes her look very unsafe to be dated. She's showing the world, this is what I'll do if you let me down. It's not a good look, y'all. Don't be that person. You look a mess and you look unsafe when you're vomiting your frustrations and disappointments and smack talk on social media. I see people do it all the time. And then later they have shame about it. Healthy shame shows up saying, I shouldn't act like that. And again, I'm showing the world that when I'm disappointed or frustrated, I don't know how to sit in love. I don't have any boundaries, right? And I villainize the person who I once cared for. That's not a good thing. Don't lead with that. Don't lean into that. Um, some of the lies are like she paid for everything. She covered our entire rent. We had problems with sex because of me. None of these things are true. I want to put an end to it, but I go back and forth because it's not even worth it. Um, well, yeah, you let it go. If you, if you give a response, then she'll keep doing it. And I don't think it's worth your time to try to correct every single falsity that's said, especially because the ones I'm reading that she said really aren't ones that you need to worry so much about. If people want to think she paid for everything, go with that. Your social circle knows better. Don't get caught up in that. It, it, that often that just keeps the ball in the air. That just keeps the anger alive. That just keeps the resentment going. It can sometimes just feed it. You know what I mean? So this is an example where you have to be the healthier one, the more regulated one, the one who's truly lives from love still. You loved this person or you care deeply for them. And now that the relationship is over, we still need to live and honor that. There's no reason to make them all bad now. Like just because we're not together anymore, I have to just burn it down and make you all bad. That's a sign of immaturity and a lack of emotional intelligence. Feel bad for her. Feel bad that she was socialized and raised and lived in a world where no one showed her better or demanded better, you know? So lean back having sympathy for her. You know, it's a bummer that that's how she's moving through the world. And you move forward. Start dating again. Be reminded of your attractability, your desirability. Seek fun and joy. Um, 
Tell your friends that you don't need to hear or want to hear what she's doing or what she's saying. Unfollow her on social media. You don't, none of what she's saying is none of your business. You don't need to know that or want to know that. And just believe and trust and know that it'll die down. And that was unfortunate that it happened. But do do it, do, do your work, which is to look back, right? Look at what kind of partner you were and realize what parts of myself do I want to bring forward <clears throat> and live from again? And what parts of myself do I not feel great about that I want to make sure I don't reenact? You know, we, we want to use our past relationships as sites of learning about ourselves, who we are as relational beings and what our work is. So just do that part and then release it. And you release it by saying, again, like I said, we're not talking about her anymore. I don't want to hear about her. I'm not checking up on her stuff. And I'm psychologically and physically and socially disconnecting, creating space for new love and new joy in my life. And you're pushing forward. Breakups are hard. You know, this person who's struggling and is acting everything out and is lacking integrity in how they're processing this, you know, I don't know what kind of traumas this ties into around loneliness or abandonment or worth and value, but we want to work on those internally, not put them out for the world to watch us work through, you know, because there's a really beautiful way to share with the world your struggle and your pains, but that's you talking about yourself. When we start talking about others negatively, we've moved into harm. Now we're, now we're harm, we're enacting violence and we're being quite toxic and you don't, no one needs to see that. Um, all right. So that's our DM. As I said, DMs always in the uh, Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline. Go binge them, share and post them. It's over at wearechannelq.com. And also just got to plug my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Both of them are beautiful crash courses and supportive sites to really realize what mental health is, sexual health, right? Body health, uh, dating and marital tips. So go check out those books. And um, yeah, we're going to take a little break. And we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. As always, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking a little bit about how to be a good LGBTQIA ally. Why? Because it's Pride Month, y'all. Um, I guess before we go any further, let's just break down what all those letters mean. I, I love the growing acronym. Um, why? Well, remember, when we have a label for something, although I'll talk in a minute about the problems uh, with labels and identity, the valuable reasonable reasons for it, uh, not reasonable, but valuable and empowering reasons are that uh, it legitimizes, you know, to have an identity, to have an identifier. Um, it legitimizes. It makes you feel real. It, it makes you feel valued. There's something really important in having a, a term. And for people that are white or cis or hetero or any a higher level of privilege, it's very lost on those individuals because they've never been necessarily oppressed or had violence against them because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, right? And for people that are of any kind of sexual or gender minority, uh, expressed and ex uh, exploited and marginalized identity, um, it's very, it, 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 it enhances, it empowers. Part of what goes with that is also then community exists, right? When, we, when we're real and we're made real by a term, we can also connect with others. And that is an even more empowering, um, I guess, response or return to it because it reflects us back. And as we've talked about on the show, our self-esteem, our self-worth is an accumulation of how those around us how, how those around us have talked about us and treated us. Our worth is reflected back at us, right? And so part of our self-worth and self-esteem is an outside job. It's about curating community around us that reflects back we have worth and value. We need that. We can't feel good when not having that happen. And having an identity gives you that, right? It also gives you a way of discussing yourself. So it helps you develop boundaries, sense of self. And so, you know, all these, all these names in the LGBTQIA plus acronym it's an attempt to lift up marginalized voices. It's an attempt to center and bring in people that have traditionally lived on the fringe that might still value that, right? But still want some empowerment. Um, I think the beauty of living on the fringe and being a minority is that you don't necessarily have to follow the normative script. You get to decide how to run your lives and your relationships. And there's a lot of value in that and a lot to learn in that. But again, these labels are to normalize, to legitimize, to help people access services, build community. The downside is some people feel as though they have to be a good version of that, right? If I'm going to be a man or I'm going to be a woman or I'm going to be gay or pan or straight or whatever, you feel like you have to do it Authentic, you have to do it uh, the best way. You have to be um, the true version. And we're getting away from that, hopefully, the policing of that. We're starting to say there's no right way to do these things, right? That's not what this is about. But labels can limit us, 
right? We feel as though we have to stay within the confines of the definition of these terms. And these terms are meant to be starting points, not finalizing landing points. You're allowed to be more than one thing. You're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to go on a journey. That's the beauty of sex and gender. We all should investigate the identities that we hold because we're more than that. We always are. And so LGBTQIA plus acronym, L for lesbian, right? G for gay. And those are a little bit of outdated terms. Q for some is queer, others it's questioning, right? Because the minute you're not hetero, well, you then become other. And the LGBTQIA acronym is supposed to be a catch-all for this other, right? Um, so there's a lot of straight people that are now leaning into it because they're saying, maybe I'm questioning, maybe I'm fluid, right? We have not quite part of the LGBTQIA yet, but there's pansexual, which means my interests are really based on the person. It's outside of their gender expression or identity, right? But to stick to the acronym, L's gay, right? I'm sorry, L is lesbian, obviously. G is gay. <laughs> Q is questioning or queer, right? So that's the LGB is bisexual. Sorry, I'm, why am I, let me write it out. I'm like riffing off of this without looking at the letters. L is lesbian, G is gay, B is bisexual, right? T is transgendered because we do throw in there anyone who is outside of the cis hetero norm, right? So trans, right? Q, questioning or queer. I's intersexed, again, someone who's outside of the normative structure of having, you know, what's usually seen as male or female anatomy, right? This is someone who's both or neither or all. Um, A is asexual, right? Again, a sexual minority. And then uh, LGBTQIA+, plus is that space holder for anyone else who isn't perfectly fitting into those prior letters and what they mean, you're welcome too. You know what I mean? It's a big umbrella term. There's people in there that are heteroflexible, right? Fluid, pan, right? There's a lot of things that might not be outwardly stated in there that still are held within that. Um, and, it's, and it's liberating for a lot of people. But bigger than that, like I said, it legitimizes, it gives people access, it gives them community. And that's really what it's about. People wanna feel part of, they wanna feel real. Um, and a lot of celebrities are stepping into that, right? We have Demi Lovato, um, Sam Smith, all's going non-binary, they and them pronouns, moving away from these standard gendered forms. Really beautiful stuff. So getting back to allyship, though, it's about really utilizing whatever privilege you have in service of making the world better. Using your male privilege, right? Your your upper class, your your finances, your, your financial privilege, class privilege. It might be your racial privilege. You're white, right? Maybe you're cis gendered. Maybe you're hetero. How can you capitalize on that to help those beneath you. I don't believe in a vertical higher, you know, hierarchy, but a lot of people do. So those that don't have the, pr the privileges, how can you use yours to help benefit them? That's part of that. Uh, we got to take a little break. And when we come back, we will uh, continue to talk about how to be a good ally. It's something we all need to think about. But uh, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris. Love Line is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around and we'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about how to be a good LGBTQIA ally. We're talking about using your privilege. What privilege do you have? In what ways are you part of dominant culture? In what ways do you have power? Because you're white, because you're cis, because you're hetero, because you have money, because you're highly educated. Whatever it is, utilize that. You don't have to feel bad about your privilege, but it's about utilizing it to help others. It's about dismantling the roadblocks and limits of those that don't have it, right? Um, also, it's about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna say things wrong. No one's expecting perfection. People get so anxious and saying the right things. I'm glad you care enough, but if you're wrong, apologize. Apologize and fix it. You know what I mean? Learn, be better, do better. Tell other people how to be better. That's all it's about. We're all learning. It's constantly changing. I, who lecture and write about all these different topics, I mess up. I'm constantly wishing I'd said something better or differently, you know? Because it's an ever-evolving world. And there's going to be a point where I'm going to be maybe of an age or a position in the world where I'm going to be outside of this and not as current and are up on things. And I, help people, and I hope people will hold space for me and educate me. Now, again, let's speak to what I just said. We don't want the communities themselves to have to educate us, right? Um, these people are already exploited and marginalized, we're, we're, depending on who we're talking about. We want to educate ourselves. We have to get away from this father complex or God, pump, God complex or father complex that says someone should have told us we should know better. No, we have to take the initiative and learn. We have to learn. We have to learn about nutrition so we understand how food works. No one's going to tell you that. It's no one else's job, right? If we have an illness, we have to go research and become an expert in our illness. It's our illness. It's our body. Doctors are there to help, but we have to understand ourselves, right? This is part of that. You live in a world where gender and sexual diversity exists. Go research. Go learn. Your child, your friend, yourself, or just people you care about. It's called being like 
a citizen, right? We are responsible for the for those around us, right? Like homelessness is a failure of our society and culture. Uh, trans and gay violence is a, is a societal failure that we haven't created safe spaces, that we allow you know homophobia and transphobia to exist. Um, also, look, I love all this online activism. That is meaningful and powerful. Online scholarship is awesome. I learn a lot from those. And I know a lot of people take comfort in some of the things I post and they build community that way. That's awesome. That is meaningful. Step into that. What are you doing with your social media? What are you posting? What are you not posting? What could you start posting? What can you call out? What can you hold space for? It just, as I said in an earlier segment, can you just use more inclusive examples? We're not always using examples of everyone being hetero or cis. You know what I mean? Like even in my books, I tried to use trans examples and queer examples and poly examples just to center, not always centering straightness and, and cis heteroness, right? Decenter that, use examples that are unrelated. Go, go watch some gay films, some trans films, even though maybe you're not gay or trans or no one you know is, right? But also take some of your activism offline. Like we said in the earlier segments, where are you spending your money? What companies are you supporting? What companies could you begin to support? Black owned, gay owned, queer owned, trans owned, right? I'm folding in critical race stuff as well because we're always keeping an eye on doing, you know, um, and ending racism. And that's part of pride is are these spaces inclusive for everyone or is it just for white gym bodied gay people? Because that's also what gets called out. We want to hold space for larger gay bodies, black gay bodies bodies, black, black fat bodies of color, trans bodies. Everything isn't for cis, white, wealthy, gym-bodied gays. So I also want to say that to organizers and promoters. Are you truly being inclusive? Are we making everyone feel invited to participate or just for some people? I'd almost want them to, ra I'd almost rather them just call it out so people aren't mistakenly expecting to feel safe in a space. <laughs> like own your prejudice almost, but make that, make that activism real. Um, so many organizations. Who should I donate to? Where should I start? Okay, Trevor Project. Awesome organization that works on suicide prevention and, and intervention. Ali Forney Center. Uh, LGBT, they work with LGBTQIA youth and work on homelessness and empowerment. GLSEN, G-L-S-E-N. They create safe and affirming uh, spaces in schools, right? Uh, immigration equality. They advocate for people in the community that are immigrants and need treatment. Sylvia Rivera Law Project. They help offer legal services. Um, SAGE, S-A-G-E, they help with elder LGBTQIA and their caregivers. I mean, so many amazing organizations donate some money, donate some time, post links, you know? You never know who's reading. You never know who's gonna feel that you're an ally because they see that you talk about these things. They might feel like you're a safe space for them to come out to, for them to discuss concerns with, right? You never know who's listening or watching or hearing you, right? Um, constantly speaking up. Like I said, looking around your friend network. Why are all my friends straight? Why are all my friends cis? How is it that you're not encountering or meeting people of other backgrounds? What is that about, right? Like really, really doing a deep dive. Um, and, and again, the bare minimum, the bare minimum. Correct people if they misgender. Correct people if they say something homophobia, homophobic. Correct people if they use a slur or say something insensitive. Check in on diversity in the workplace. Uh, put your... Uh, pronouns everywhere you go, reminding people that pronouns are a thing and that they matter. We have to ask people and that not everyone uses he or she, right? Uh, wear pride post, uh, wear pride post, wear pride pin, wear pride flag, post things, right? Uh, my mom's been in this work for a long time with all of her different children. My family is quite diverse and creative in terms of sexuality and gender. And she wears pride stuff in her community. In her community, that's quite profound. And that's a radical act for her to just hold space with a mere t-shirt. You know? And she also made sure she got the shirt from the, a good organization. Right? Um, there's so much work we can do. But it's just really about everyone stepping into something. Right? There's, there's, there's no reason why everyone can't have one thread of activism that they do around this. Because that's always what I ask people. Just choose at least one thing and make that part of how you step into some social justice work or activism. You can choose three, but choose one, one, one group or choose one, one way that you help to dismantle the oppression and violence against that group. Either or, do both, you know? Um, so much needed. There's a lot of great documentaries if you feel like you need to experience more. Um, tons, tons that can really help you better drop into and build empathy around these or these organizations and individuals. You can have family members join you. So much we can do. Um, but as always, we got to take a break again. Uh, going to keep the dialogue going, and then as always, closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our IG page, in the DMs, and uh, past episodes of Love Line. 
Post bin share by going over to wearechannelq.com, scrolling down, clicking on my face, bam, blam, there it is. But uh, stick around, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back. And just to kind of uh, close out our final talk segment on this topic of allyship, because it is Pride Month. So again, I want everyone to be doing something to be supportive of the LGBTQIA plus community. Again, whether it's donating money, whether it's using your social media to be an activist, to post articles, to educate, whether it's correcting people on problematic languaging, whether it's putting your pronouns in your bio and at your workplace so as to acknowledge that that is something we need to be considering of, whether it's donating money to these organizations, whether it's educating and researching yourself by watching documentaries and Googling, whether it's trying to be more inclusive with adventure throwing or in your workplace and making sure you look around and see diversity, whether it's bringing people into your social circle, so much we can do. And we also wanna do that to the people around us. How do you support a child that might be exploring their gender identity? Well, first off, we meet people where they're at. And this comes up even with someone saying, I think my child or my nephew might be gay. I'm a, I always say to them, let them go through their journey. Don't drag them out or tell them you know or tell them you think something. You don't know what that'll mean or where they're at. We wanna build a loving, inclusive environment always at home, always referencing the beauty of transness, always referencing the beauty of being gay or bi, by just raising your child from the door, knowing that if that's the case, awesome, and if not, it's awesome if their friends are, right? So that's very casual for them to turn to you and say, oh, I think I identify as this or that, and then you've already laid down the groundwork. You've already let them know your safe space. You've already started to use inclusive language. It doesn't harm children. In fact, it helps them. This is a real thing. This exists out in the world. They need to have the language and empowerment to encounter it, to deal with it. So just meet them where they're at, but create a safe space around them. Also be patient. Everyone's on a different timeline. Not everyone lands in a landing point ever or quickly. Some people it's a journey. Some people it's back and forth. For some people it's very explorative. They're trying out exploring their gender with what they're wearing and the labels they use. And other times they revert back. Respect their decision though. They know, and the healthiest thing you can do is let them go on their journey. It's not gonna harm them. Reassure, reassure them that you love them, right? Always reminding them that I'm here for you, I'm here with you, whoever you are, wherever you go, right? Not trying to change them. Ooh, that's a powerful one, right? Even when it makes us panic, right? Do your research, right? Understand how to work with your child. It's hard, it's not easy, especially for people that are very unfamiliar with this, but we never know, like I said, who's in the room, who's in our family, who's gonna need us. We wanna be prepared, we wanna be ready, and the best thing we can do is from the door, from birth, create an environment so our child is raised feeling supported and cared for. We know that just having one supportive person in your network can reduce suicidality quite profoundly, and the suicide rate for people that are gays and trans is still way too high. Still a lot of violence at places like school, you know? And so it's just about being present, it's about being prepared, it's about being empowered, but meeting your child where they're at. Um, I don't know if all of us remember, but being a child is quite a difficult, funky time. All we wanna do is be normal and fit in, right? And so part of that is finding people that you can fit in with. Part of that is finding people that reflect back that who you are is worth and value, right? It's really hard to look out there and to not see yourself. That's why I'm so thankful that social media and media is starting to change that, where musicians and actors and roles are created, where there are people that are bi, queer, trans, non-binary, asexual. This is the world we live in. It's a beautiful thing. The animal kingdom and the plant kingdom are flourishing in this radical queerness. They are far from trapped in the binaries in the way we are. You know, And again, I'll talk about that at some point I have before. But more importantly, just remember, you never know you know what I mean? And so you never know who's around you and who's gonna need you. And so we move through the world in that way. But take note of your social networks, take note of your family, take note of your job. You know, where's your money being spent? All these things matter, all these things mean something. Um, don't, wait till it's too, don't wait till it's too late, don't wait till it's too far along. You can go back and repair if you've created, you know. I, I work with some people that look backwards and they say, I wish I had done better. You know, and I was doing as good as I could at the time with my child who was gay or trans. And I always say, well, you can go back and do that repair or you can be better this time. You can promise to be better moving forward, right? And even people within the community have work to do. This isn't just about being an ally. This is also about how do I be more inclusive while within, right? Um, who am I leaving out? Who am I disempowering? Who am I welcoming in? The spaces are changing. 
they're, they're tending to be more inclusive. It's kind of somewhat of a bare minimum demand, and I'm thankful for that. But we still got a lot of work to do. So weigh in on that, check in on that. Um, I'll keep bringing it up. You know, Pride Month is an entire month, so we'll keep circling back through this. I also, at some point, want to talk about the history a little bit of why Pride. How did it even come to be? It was created by um, black queer sex workers, that were tired of oppression and violence, pushing back on the police, who were the main instigators of that. Not that culturally and socially it was any easier. Um, really powerful, necessary stuff. So uh, we'll talk about the history. I think it's important to understand why we are where we are and who helped us get there, right? Because some the exact community that helped us get there, black queer sex workers, are some of the ones that are most pathologized and stigmatized even within the community still, right? And they're the ones that helped create pride. Pride was a protest. It was a revolt. It wasn't a celebration. Now it is, right? But it's about occupying space as self. And that's why we also need to let the kink community in. Because for those that aren't familiar, there's a lot of pride people that are saying, leave kink out of it. It's like, well, no, we don't leave anyone behind. This isn't about being respectable. This isn't about whitewashing it. This isn't about being family centered. This is about being honest. And we live our truth. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be gliding in those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are back. And now it's time to glide into the DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This question says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've experienced something odd the other week. And I don't really know what to do about it. I was getting a massage, and as the masseuse was going lower, I found myself getting aroused. So aroused that I actually excused myself to use the restroom. This has never happened to me before, and I felt extremely embarrassed. I made up an excuse that I had to leave to get out of there as quickly. Are things like this normal? 100%. Someone was touching your naked, your naked body in a way that usually is only associated with uh, eroticism. So of course your body and your psyche isn't saying, this is a masseuse, this is a non-erotic experience. And some, some massages and masseuses are there for erotic experiences. So maybe you have had erotic massages, I don't know. But do know that all masseuses have had clients get aroused. You are, they are touching your body in what can feel like a sensual and sometimes erotic way. And they're trained discussing and understanding that. And like I said, they're familiar with that. And I want us to be more body positive and sex positive. You got aroused. There's no shame in that. There should never be shame in it. The shame comes in what you choose to do with that. Do you act it out on someone? Do you force it on someone? Or is it about consent? But anyone touching your body, doing any kind of body work, they understand. And if they don't, they need to, that it could be arousing to you. That's a physiological response. It doesn't even mean that you were eroticizing the experience. Your body can respond 
in a way that is disconnected from your psychological experience, right? We can get aroused in times where nothing that we psychologically see as arousing is happening, but yet our body responds that way. We wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night sometimes aroused, you know? Um, it's a physiological response, and like I said, natural to being touched and natural to being touched in a way that often is only part of sex, and so your body is associated, someone touching your lower area with sexuality, and maybe you do eroticize that. That's okay. It's about having boundaries, consent, and what you do with that arousal. That really is what's important to me. Um, you don't need to run away. You don't need to excuse yourself. You just stay there, settle down, and allow. That's part of a massage, is letting your body be where it's at and do what it does, 100%. Otherwise, what is it about? We don't want to mechanize that. We don't want to be so disconnected from our bodies. We want to listen to our bodies, support our bodies, allow our bodies to do what they do. We want to stop shaming them, especially shaming the subtle erotic body itself, right? So next time you have a, mas uh, a massage, if that happens again, you roll with it. Nothing needs to be done. Nothing bad has happened. No one has been harmed. No one is harmed in seeing someone else in a state of arousal, especially not someone who gives massages and needs to be, if not, if, if they're not already familiar with the fact that that's a common response for most people. So you're, you're part of the majority in that. Not that it should matter, but that is standard and normal. Um, there's tons of articles on that that I'm sure you can Google and read for more support. Talk to your friends about it too. I'm sure they've had their own experiences or would. But yeah, don't worry about stuff like that. Um, a massage is for you. It's about you, right? It's about you relaxing, finding pleasure in someone touching your body. It should be soothing. It should be healing. We don't want to bring body and sex shame into it. But that has to be an understandable part of that process, right? So um yeah, go easier on yourself. I think that's always what I'm trying to remind people. Like, go easy. It's okay. As long as you're not harming anyone and no one is harmed, like, we're good. You know, things are going to happen. Things we don't want to have said or to have done. We're going to be having sex with someone even, right? A consenting partner, and it's not going to go the way we had wanted to, to go or envisioned it to go. But we, we, don't, we don't push our body. We don't panic. We don't shame our body. We honor where it's at. We're not always going to be as lubricated as we want or as erect as we want or even sometimes not at all. And we roll with that, we flow with that. We don't push our bodies, challenge our bodies, shame our bodies, you know? We're, we're trying to go back to pleasure and joy and healing, and none of those are a specific prescribed path. So be a little more loving and kind with yourself. But again, do some research because you'll see how common that is, and that's something that is discussed in all the massage programs I am familiar with, right? Um, so not a big deal. But I like that you're thinking. You know, but uh, the work is about being kind with yourselves. That's a work for all of us. <laughs> Be good to yourself. All right, y'all. As always, thanks for hanging out. We'll be back tomorrow. And tomorrow we're going to be spending the show talking about burnout. Yes. Everyone's like, oh, I'm so game on with that. But excuse me, we're going to be talking about it physically. And we're also going to be talking about it emotionally and psychologically. Also ways to cope and kind of deal with it. Um, but spend the rest of your night focusing on joy and pleasure, tons of rest, and as much self-care as possible. We've earned it. Even if we didn't earn it, we still deserve it. It's your right as a human to have that, right? That's what we're centering our lives in. Um, but as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.